At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Do you ever feel like the world is spinning out of control? Amidst the world's chaos and growing opposition to our faith, economic hardship, and overwhelming challenges, we can find inspiration from the story of Elijah in 1 Kings. Despite facing an angry king, severe drought, massive opposition, and depression, Elijah lived a powerful and impactful life for God. Join us for our series, Elijah, as we learn how the same God Elijah served can use us to live a life of impact for his kingdom. God, we honor you as this holy one, the one and only God that will never fail, a God that knows exactly the miracles that are needed to bring you greatest glory. You're a God that knows our greatest need, and you've solved it by sending your son, Jesus, to take away all of the sins that have separated us from you. And we know, Lord, that if you wouldn't withhold your one and only son, Lord, you will freely give us all things. And so, Lord, it's with that kind of confidence we worship you today. We come together and we declare that you are worthy of worship, that there is no God like Yahweh, that there is no God like you. And Father, I know there's plenty of challenges and struggles that are represented in this room today. Frank has surgery coming up tomorrow. Kim has a funeral service for her mom. Some are struggling financially. Some are struggling relationally. I know there's some homes that are just, seem to be powder kegs, just waiting to explode, and they desperately need your peace to settle in. And you're the giver of peace. You said that we don't have to be afraid, but we can have confidence that you've overcome the world, so you will give peace, peace that not like the world gives, peace that exceeds all things that come against you. And so I pray as we spend time together here, Lord, spend time in your word that we would be strengthened. Strengthened with the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I pray that Jesus would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would recognize that he has center stage, that we'd relinquish control of all these things to you, Lord, and we would trust what you're doing. That somehow today, even more, we'd be able to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth of incredible love of Christ that passes all knowledge. And Lord, to you who are filled with glory, to you who do abundantly more than whatever we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, Lord, we pray that your glory would be seen in your church and in our lives as we go into our world later, that through every generation you would be praised. Lord, thank you for being a God that is with us. We can count on you always being with us. The green pastures or valleys of the shadow of death, you will never leave us. We give you praise for that. Be with us now as we enjoy time in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. 
Thank you for worshiping with us. You can be seated. And let's keep worshiping Jesus by spending time in his word together. Thank you, worship team, for leading us well. Don't you appreciate them? Would you thank God for them? Yes, that's a good way to do that. Thank you, team. I'm thankful for what God is doing through Bill Stewart today, too. Um, last week, uh, the new pastor from Trinity Methodist Church in town called me and said, Dan, I've, I've run out of all, all my replacements. I got to be gone on the 20th, and I don't have anyone left to ask that could preach. Is there anyone at Woodside that could bring the word to our church family? And so I said, yeah, but there is. We'd love to help like that. So I called Bill, and Bill said, I'd love to do that. Uh, so he is, oh, he's about eight minutes before he ends. See, I know when Bill schedules his sermons, I know exactly where he's at. So at 1022, uh, he would be about eight minutes before he finishes. Uh, so praise God for that, his willingness to serve another church family. And, uh, and that's us, right? That's Bill, part of us. So Bill's representing us, just seeking to be a blessing to this community. Uh, so that's really awesome. And I'm looking forward, I also wanted to mention that um, we've got two things pretty, coming pretty close to our, uh, on our calendar here. We got, as Jackie mentioned, we have the back to school celebration on Saturday. Such a great opportunity to demonstrate God's generosity to our community, right? And everything's free on that day, um, and it's, it's really cool to do that. So I hope you're finding a place to serve that you're checking in on that sign-up sheet, and we got lots of people serving. And then, in like three weeks, um, September, I forget, is it the 17th, I think, is our, our barn party that we've always looked forward to for the past three years or so. Circle G Farms is opening their beautiful property to us again. Uh, so, beautiful barbecue, lots of games and fun, and that's a time just for us as family just to come together and enjoy time together. Bring friends, of course. Anytime we do anything, right? Church family, you know. Bring your friends. Those of you you've been investing into, uh, family members, you're always encouraged to bring them to us. Uh, but it is a chance for us just to enjoy time together as spiritual family. Um, so be watching for more information on that. So we're going to spend time today in God's Word in 1 Kings chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. 1 Kings 18, uh, we continue the story of Elijah as we're taking about six weeks to look at this biography of him in the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings was written uh, not only to give us history, but to show, to give the evidence for why judgment had to come to the nation of Israel and Judah. It's because they continually pushed against the one God that is in heaven and on earth, the only true God, they continued to say, no, we want to look for other options. Thank you very much. And God gave them the promise that, no, if you follow me, I will provide all these things. Rain will fall, your plants will grow, your harvest will be plentiful. But if you ever rebel against me, my love for you will result in drawing you to me sometimes through discipline and, and judgment and I'll withhold the rain and, I'll, and plagues will come and, and even pestilence will come all to draw you back to myself. And that's what we see in the book, in, in this scene in chapter 18. We see, as we looked at last week, we saw this big, um, this battle between the false god Baal 
and his prophets against Elijah and Yahweh to determine, okay, who really is God? Is it the God of storm and fertility, or is it Yahweh who claims to be the one true God, who is truly God? And if you were here last week or you know the story, you know that there was no bad contest, really. Baal doesn't exist. He's fake. Just like a lot of those things that we turn to, they're fake promises that they will supply our heart's longings. No, only God can do that. And so God showed himself as faithful. And that's where we get into this scene. The New Testament mentions Elijah. We mentioned this the last couple of weeks, is that the book of James, James was a brother of Jesus, one of the disciples, and, and James wrote this book um, called the letter from the Apostle James. And in chapter 5, he mentions Elijah. And he mentions that, now don't think Elijah is this superhero with superpowers. He was, a, he was just as human as we are. And then specifically, he mentions that his prayers did incredible things. And then it gives the claim that actually, the prayers of a righteous person are effective and powerful. So if you live a life right with God, if he's made you right with him, then your prayers are effective and powerful. It's not just Elijah's prayers that God hears. That God hears the prayers of his kids and he works according to his power and his glory and his wisdom. But we, we kind of struggle with some questions on that because we probably have had times where we've tried to pray and it kind of felt like we were talking to the wind. Ever been there? You pray and you wonder, is anybody listening? Maybe God isn't paying attention or maybe he just wants to do something else. So why pray? Or maybe you've experienced what I've experienced, that you ask God for something and ask him to do something and, he, and it, things don't change. Because maybe we think that prayer changes God and convinces him to do things that he doesn't want to do. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is not the means by which we get God to do something he doesn't want to do. Prayer is not the way that we kind of wake God up and kind of shake, shake the cage or whatever you might say to kind of say, okay, God, we need some attention. Pay attention here. That's not what prayer is. Instead, prayer is the means by which we access what God has already declared he would do. Prayer is that communication in relationship to the God of heaven by the beings that worship him. Prayer is relational communication by beings that worship God to the God of all worship. And God promises to hear us when we pray. Sometimes we think of prayer as this transaction by which if we ask passionately enough, or we ask 
often enough that God finally will relent and say, okay, here. Do you ever, do you ever feel that? Well, maybe I didn't pray enough. Maybe I didn't pray believing enough. Maybe my, my words were emo- too, too unemotional. Maybe I need to just pray, pray louder, 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 more, more, more. Almost like envisioning prayer and the effect of prayer as like the water park we were at here this summer. uh, That in this splash pad area, way up high, there's this huge bucket. You ever seen that, right? This huge bucket that has this hose dripping down into it. And it just fills and fills and fills and fills and fills and fills. And then finally, when there's just enough water, you see the thing start to tip. And then, boom, the water comes crashing down on all the kids that have been waiting for the water to come, right? Is that what prayer is? No, pray again. Let's go pray again. Let's go pray again, because this might be that last prayer. God just need so it's kind of that transaction where we say, here, God, here, God, here, God, here, God, and finally says, okay, boom. When we see the way Jesus prayed, when we see God's invitation to pray, and we watch how his followers prayed, we get no indication that it was simply a matter of putting in the coins until finally the prize is offered. No, this is, this is relational communication, asking God to do what is on his heart, what God has already declared. It's reaching into the heavens to bring the heavens to earth. In the Lord's Prayer, he says, so when you pray, pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Provide us for our needs. So let's look at Elijah. Let's look at his experience as he comes away in chapter 18, we're going to get to the, we're, we're starting in the verse 41. After that big battle scene, when God shows himself faithful. And we see what happens next. Verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, Ahab was the king. Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there's the sound of rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down in the earth and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again. Seven times this happened, and at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down, lest the rain stop you. In a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of the city of Jezreel. Pretty cool scene here, and I just want to point out three things. Maybe you saw them already, but three things that we see 
the evidence that a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. First of all, maybe you noticed, and knowing the story, you saw that prayer is alignment with God's word. Praying according to the will of God is praying in alignment with what God has said. Now, in this story, you remember that Elijah was partnering with God in this work to the nation of Israel. It was God that sent Elijah to Ahab. We see it in chapter 17. And he said, Elijah, go tell Ahab that because of his idolatry and leading the people into idolatry, it will not rain until the Lord says so. So Elijah went and he said exactly what God told him to say. Three years this went on as God withheld the rain. Remember, Baal was the storm god. So who should be sending rain? Baal. And no matter what they did, Baal was not sending rain. God was just setting up this object lesson that you can't trust in anything else and find it reliable except for me. So for three years, there was no rain. Then God sent Elijah in chapter 18 earlier. He says, go tell Ahab. That it's going to rain. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have this big contest. And the contest revealed that Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. And so Elijah says to Ahab, Hey, you better go have your party. Because I hear them rain coming. Right? So Ahab was just doing the same human experience that you all do and we all do. When something good is about to happen, what do you do? You eat. Right? Happy birthday to you. You have a birthday dinner or a chocolate cake. It's your anniversary. What are you going to do? We're going out to dinner. It's graduation, open house, 18 years old, and you made it through 13 years of school, 14, 50, whatever it took you to get to school. We want to celebrate. What do you do? You eat. So here's this battle scene. The people respond, Yahweh, he is God. Their hearts are turning back to God. And God had promised that it's going to rain because this is what I do. It's what I promised I would do. So Elijah says to Ahab after that battle, now, now go up, you better get something to eat because it's going to rain. Three years without dew or rain. Imagine, imagine the difficulty on the people. Three years without a harvest where all the water systems had dried up or at least came to a trickle. So who's excited about this? Oh, man, everybody. I don't know if Elijah had repented, or excuse me, if Ahab repented. I, I don't know. As we read the story, I think you'll see in the next coming weeks that I'm not sure Ahab's heart was convicted. But he could still celebrate rain was coming. So he went up. Put on a feast. Rain is going to come. But notice what Elijah did. 
What would you do if you were confident that God was going to send us the solution that you've been longing for? That God was going to actually answer it? Here's what Elijah did. He went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he fell on his face before God. And he prayed. What would you do if you believed that God always keeps his promises? What would you do if you truly believed that if God has said something in his word, you can count on it being true? Well, Elijah is showing that what we do is we pray. We pray and seek that fulfillment of what God has promised. This is not an arrogant or a self-confident expression of Elijah. I mean, sure, Elijah in the previous scene showed himself to be a man of charisma and humor as he was saying to the prophets of Baal, why don't you shout a little louder? I don't think Baal can hear you. Maybe he's on vacation, or he's taking a nap, or he's in the chamber, or the outhouse, or whatever you'd call it. But not in this scene. No, in this scene, when he saw that it was time for God to work, he fell on his face. The posture just described as his face between his knees. In other words, he's prostrate before the presence of God. And he prays, Father, send the rain. Sends his servant. You see anything? No. Father, send the rain. Elijah prays in a spirit of utter dependence on God. Elijah knew that he didn't have the magic. He didn't have the, um, the strength and the power in and of himself to do these great things. He has no supernatural powers, but he has access to the throne of God, so he prays. It's not positive thinking. He's not sending out good vibes to, you know, to his fellow servants. It's not positive energy that he's expressing. No, that's not from, that's not claims from the scripture. You'll never see that. If you, if you grew up in a culture that says, we just got to have positive energy and great things will happen, know that that's not from God. That's a world's way of trying to push God aside and saying it's actually us that can change things. No, it's only God. So Elijah goes to God, reminding of his promise that, Father, you said you'd send rain. Send rain. People are thirsty. Maybe, the, maybe there was a pastoral plea in his heart. The people are thirsty. They're, they're hurting. I'm watching children suffer. Send rain. Maybe his passion was about the glory of the name of God. God, you said that when the people turned to you, that you would respond by sending the rain. They turned to you, Father. So send the rain. Here's a, few thing, here's, here's a key thing about prayer. One prayer that is effective and powerful is connected to the promises of God. As you pray, if they're effective and powerful prayer, it will be connected to his promises. 
Jeremiah the prophet recorded God's words to his people when God said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So call on me and I'll show you great and mighty things. Jesus gives that same statement. Pray according to the will of my Father and he will hear you. Romans chapter 10 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call on him, he will redeem you. That's how he works. He is a God that keeps his promises. Maybe it's a little bit like my grandson Friday, just this couple days ago. Boys were over, and early in the day I said, hey guys, I got a lot of work to do today, and I'd love you to help me. And if you do, I'll take you to the dollar store, and you can pick anything you want. Just to warn you, the dollar store now sells gift cards. You can put whatever dollar amount you want on that. So I've learned to give a qualifier to it. Anyway. Anyway, so the day went on and, you know, we had help making the beds and dishes. Uh, they even helped me change the oil on a grand caravan. It was a wonderful day. And, and so we were going to top off the fun of the day by taking the jet ski out for a quick ride on that 70-degree day. Uh, so we went and saw the, oh, the battery. It's, it's, we need a new battery. So we stopped to the auto parts store. And as we pull in, they said, oh, hey, there's the dollar store. Can you, go, can you take us to the dollar store? I said, well, I was hoping to take us out in the jet ski. But you said, well, that's pretty bold. Why, why would he be so bold to say, I should buy him some of the dollar store? Why? Because I said I would. Right? So it was absolutely fine for him to ask that question. Now, the example falls apart because, you know, if you help me, I'll take you to the dollar store. There's no transaction with God as far as you do your part, and I'll decide if I want to. That's not how God works. But what I just want to say, we see this all the time. We see that our employer says that you'll be paid on the second and fourth Friday, right? So what happens on the second and fourth Friday? You get your paycheck, and if you don't, you can boldly go to them and say, um, you promised. And God in his relationship with his people has given us his promises so that we can hold them. And Elijah describes this example of effectual or effective and powerful prayers being those that are aligned with God's word. To access what God has promised in the heavens and bringing them to earth. There's a great little book called Praying the Bible. If you've, if you, and there's a couple versions like this out there. But this one's by Donald Whit, uh, Whitney. So if, you, if you'd like to kind of get into that practice of praying God's word over your family or over your, your children or, um, or your community, that's a great little book to guide you. Praying the Bible uh, by Donald Whitney. There's a second aspect of Elijah's prayer that we learn from. Verse 43 says, he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. He went up and looked and said, there's nothing. Go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. 
Seven times Elijah asked God to do what he already said he would do. And finally, after repeated times of no natural inclination that God was working, suddenly he does. Now, what is this? Some have said, well, that's you've got to pray something seven times, and then God's going to work. Uh, there's, there's no way, because there's plenty of times in Scripture where God reveals his plan and his provision after even a prayer where you wonder, is there enough faith in that? But God works. He chose to work right when a person asked the first time. So it doesn't seem to be this pattern. You certainly you have to pray a certain number of times. But instead, it's revealing to us that beautiful example of utter dependency on God. Our persistence in prayer demonstrates a dependence on God. A persistence in prayer, praying even though you're not seeing God work, you continue to pray, you are expressing a dependency on God. And the exact opposite of that, prayerlessness exposes a spirit of independence. When you're unwilling to pray or you're forgetful or you don't, don't think, take the time to pray, it's revealing a spirit that says, I think I can do this on my own. I'm not desperate for God's power. Some well-meaning people have said to me in the past, I don't pray for myself, I pray for other people. You ever had that thought? And it maybe sounds kind of nice, beginning, but really what that says is, I can do it on my own. It's other people that can't. If you're not praying for the needs in your own life, in the situation around you, maybe it's exposing that spirit that says, I can actually do pretty well on my own. And if you're not abiding in the vine can't expect to bear much fruit. So persistence in prayer reveals that desperation and that dependency upon God. Jesus gave that parable, right, in Luke 18, of this widow that appeals to this judge over and over and over. And finally he relents because of her persistence. And Jesus says, I tell you this story so that you always pray and not lose heart. That you always cling to God and his promises. That you don't, you don't give up. Because if God has promised it, then ask for it. Because that demonstrates that persistent dependency Upon God, And maybe, maybe that's what some need to hear today. Maybe there's some things you've been asking for and it sure seems to align with God's word and you're not seeing it happen. Maybe you need that encouragement today from Elijah. But don't give up. You keep asking for it. Because if God has spoken it, then he desires it to come true in your life. This timing might be different. You're not in control. So it's not, a, it's not an arrogant demand on God that you said do this and this needs to happen now. No, it's a, it's a humble dependence upon God. 
believing that his word will never fail. Then third, here we see Elijah in verse 44, responding to God's grace, praying with effective and powerful prayers involves responding to God's grace. When Elijah saw the cloud, he sends his servant to tell Ahab, time to push away from the table, party's over, you better get out of Jezreel, which is up in the hills, you better get down to where your palace is, because it's going to rain. And when it rains in this dry, thirsty ground that's too hard to soak up this water, it's going to be a bear. So you better get home as quickly as you can, because it's going to rain. May have convinced that Elijah, at this time, he knows what he's talking about. So he rushes to the safety, the city. And then we have this curious description. Elijah gathers his Middle Eastern attire, right? And he starts running and somehow gets ahead of the chariot and leads the chariot on this journey towards Jezreel. And sometimes, I remember as a kid, picturing just Flash Gordon. Shoom! And it's like... He is a superhero, but James says he's not. So what is that? Well, this summer, most of you know that there was 11 of us that were able to travel to Guatemala. And for, what it was four days, that we were actually able to go up the mountain to the city of Sinaneca. And the road we traveled up that mountain maybe was a little bit, Uh, similar to this route. You think of the Judean wilderness and how rocky and rugged this travel would have been. And when you're riding in a chariot, I wonder how fast you could really go. There was times when we were riding the back of a pickup truck or a flatbed truck going up or down this mountain where we had the thought, I wonder if we could walk faster than this (laughs) as it would just creep and crawl and move and sometimes motorcycles would peel around and head off and they were gone in the dust. Why? Because we had this big old truck, this chariot that couldn't go very fast. But he, So maybe here's Elijah. You know, that's, not, that's going to take you a while. So he goes ahead of the chariot. But the, the, the purpose doesn't seem to be, whoa, look how fast Elijah is. It seems to be a message to Ahab. That Elijah is the heralder of God's word. And he's going with you to Jezreel. The word of God is not an opponent to you. It's not an enemy to fight against. No, the word of God is a companion for your journey. And he will lead you to the place that you should go. And here's, it seems to be like this gospel invitation to Ahab that says, yes, Elijah's ahead of you. That's the way to live. So follow the herald of God, follow his word, and you will find safety. Again, you read the rest of this account over these next few weeks, you'll see that I'm not sure Ahab was interested in anything more than just having rain and getting there before he got wet. Not sure he accepted this invitation for the gospel to transform his life. 
But, he, but Elijah modeled this so beautifully. And what a great picture for us. If you believe in God's grace, and if you believe that God is always true to his promises, and you pray accordingly, then live as following the word of God. That's how you experience all this powerful and effective work of God. As you allow the word of God to guide you. Allow his grace not to be an opponent to your life. He's not a killjoy. He's not robbing you of good things. But the truth is that he is a God that's a sun and a shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those that walk with him. God has established this beautiful line of relational communication with us as his, as his children. In fact, the word in Hebrews chapter 4 says, So let us come with confidence to the throne of grace, knowing that we will receive mercy and grace to help in time of trouble. So he's given us this beautiful gift of prayer. And as we align our prayers to what God has said, we can expect a powerful work of God. So you say, well, I'd like to pray. What do I what do? I do? Really simply, here's what I found to help in my life of prayer. I found if I have a time to pray, a place to pray, a plan to pray, and the word... I can experience a victorious prayer life. Let me say that again. If I set aside time to pray, now hopefully we'll be people that pray without ceasing, right? That just as we live our lives, we're in communication with God. But there consistently in Scripture seems to be that example of pulling away, setting aside a time to seek the face of God. So set a time. Maybe for you, that's before you go to bed. What a great way to let go of all your burdens and anxieties and rest on God's, unf his unfailing faithfulness to pray before you go to bed. So I, I love to do it in the morning. I love to get up before everybody else and with my cup of coffee. And I gather in the, I, I meet with God in the sunroom in the back of our house and just enjoy time with him. I have a time of a place that I go to be with him talk to some people that love to do a prayer walk, that that's what they do. They take that time to put on their shoes and early in the morning or late at night, they just take that walk. And moving keeps their mind sharp and they're focusing on God. But if you have a time and you have a place and have a plan, for me, it's been a big help to have a prayer list. I use an app called Echo. And that prayer app just has a number of ways where I can set aside a prayer list for each day. And I can have it set aside a time of worship. And I can type in messages to God of worship. And I can record observations from his word that I've seen that can keep my mind focused on his truth and make sure his word is going before me. And then I pray for certain things on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. That plan helps me stay focused and stay uh, intentional in my prayer life. And I have God's word. Praying according to God's word requires me to know his word. So if, if I'm not faithfully in his word, how will I know what to even ask him for? 
That's why so many times as we guide people in discipleship and following Jesus, we talk about prayer and the word, prayer and the word, those two things. In fact, some have even said the word is God speaking to you. Prayer is you speaking to God. Uh, don't, don't, don't delineate it too strongly in that because many times prayer is God also communicating with us, right? But that's it's a, a sim- simple way to think of that. And so God's word, being faithful in it, reading a bit every day, having a time when that word then guides how you pray. And here's what I found. That when I truly seek the heart of God, and I pray according to what his word has said, here's what I found changes. I found the greatest thing of change that I observe is the change in my life. Prayer seems to change me. It doesn't change God. It changes me into thinking more godly. It changes me into being more aware of God's work in my world, of noticing him when he provides those answers. It, it, it causes me to, to have just that greater sense that he is with me. He'll never leave me. And it causes me to really embrace that verse that I just read for you from Hebrews chapter 4. Somebody once described to me grace as being simply described, defined as God's help. When you think of God's grace, think of it as God's help. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God's help so that we may receive mercy and find God's help in time of need. May that characterize how we live. Elijah wasn't a superhero. He was a person with humanity, just as you are. He was just as human as you are, just as human as I am. But he believed in a God that always keeps his promises So he prayed, and it rained. Just imagine what God wants to do in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just the way you've invited us to your throne. Thank you for your desire to help us in our time of need. Forgive us for the times that we think we can do it on our own. Forgive us. Lord, for the times of our prayerlessness. And Lord, I'm so grateful that you have not abandoned us in our self-reliance, but you continue to invite us. Thank you for your patience with us. And Lord, again, maybe this is the hundredth time that some of us have said this to you. But Lord, make us people of prayer. Make us people that do walk with you and talk with you and think of you through our day. Make us people of discipline. Lord, that set aside time and place so that we can commune with you and offer to you these things. Lord, give us a spirit of persistence so we continue to ask for what you've promised. Most importantly, Lord, I say thank you for giving us Jesus. 
even when we didn't even know we needed a Savior, you had sent him. And then you opened our eyes to see our need. You've given us the faith we need to embrace your truth. So thank you, Lord, for this way to your throne. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And may we faithfully come to you because of the name of Jesus. You are a dear friend of ours. You've made a way. You've drawn us to yourself. And now you say, I want to help. I want to cause. I want to make. I want to solve. Lord, you're such a dear friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs you bear. Thank you for being that kind of a friend to us. Let's stand together. Let's pray this message to God. Let's, let's celebrate the relationship we have with our Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.